What's up, everyone? This is Hannah with the Healthy Charleston Podcast. I am a physical therapist here in Charleston, and I am the new host of this podcast. This podcast is meant to give you the correct health and fitness information, along with spreading awareness of all of the different health and fitness professionals here in Charleston. I love being able to use this podcast as a way to meet all of those around me that are trying to make the world a better place. And my mission as a PT is to educate people and to empower them to take ownership and control of their health. This is season three of the podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Healthy Charleston. Otherwise, thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the show. You. Thanks so much for listening to the show. This podcast is sponsored by Made to Move Physical Therapy, and we believe that movement is medicine. If you have been dealing with pain that's preventing you from doing what you love, and if you're looking for a healthcare provider to help you meet your goals, then go to madetomovept.com slash contact us. That two is the number two. Fill out the form and reference the Healthy Charleston podcast. Listeners get 10% off their first session. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Healthy Charleston Podcast. So today's episode is a presentation I did for the South Carolina Health and Fitness Association. We will also be putting out a podcast soon with the founder, Ashley Reese, to discuss what the South Carolina Health and Fitness Association is all about. So today's episode centers around the concept of adaptation using a nifty formula, stress plus recovery equals adaptation. So it explains that humans are extremely complex systems and looking at training and life through this lens shows us a lot of different things. It explains how and why humans respond to stress, how to get the results you want from your training, how training really works, why it always depends, and why you need to look at the person as a whole and take all factors into consideration. So I dive into what stress really means on a basic level, how to up your recovery, and action steps to take with this new knowledge. I'm really excited to make this content for the South Carolina Health and Fitness Association. I need to just start saying the acronym. And I will be using my presentations as podcast episodes too in an effort to get this message and information out there and accessible to everyone. So whether you're a coach, a trainer, a PT, or a patient, client, athlete, dealing with things and wanting to get better, these episodes are for you. If you have any questions at all, please reach out. You can DM us on Instagram at Healthy Charleston or at Made to Move PT. Thank you for listening and enjoy. All right, everyone, welcome. I am Dr. Hannah. I am representing Made to Move Physical Therapy. So we are providing the clinical content for the South Carolina Health and Fitness Association. So I'm really excited to share more information with y'all. Today's will be obviously on the Facebook page and then I will also be uploading a podcast version to the Healthy Charleston podcast. So if you wanna just listen to the audio, go for a walk, that will be available too. So who we are, who is made to move? Eve presented the last, for the last month for you guys, and he talked about movement optimism. And so you need to go back and definitely watch that PowerPoint um, and that, that presentation. It was super informative. 
it's a the foundational belief of how we make decisions. So we're movement optimists. We essentially we help people move more. We look at the person as a whole and we prioritize giving people the tools. So instead of I'm going to fish for you, we teach a man to fish. And so education and empowerment is really important to us. I like to say we are in the business of helping people break down barriers that are in the way of them achieving their goals and living the life they want. So we work with people to help them get back to doing what they love, to living more fulfilled lives. Sometimes that means getting out of pain. Sometimes that means getting back to a group class. Sometimes it means nutrition coaching, exercise coaching, and programming. So it can mean a lot of different things depending on the individual's goals. So why are we doing these discussions? What's the importance of this? My goal and the reason why I'm passionate about these is to arm other health and fitness professionals with the ammo they need to get people to move more, to live better lives, to break through false beliefs and unhealthy narratives, all to fight against obesity, chronic pain, over-medicalization, and lack of physical activity. Also, I was thinking like Food and Bev, they have like a cool abbreviation like FOB, and so we're half health and fitness. So my other goal in these discussions in the podcast and everything we do at Made to Move is to empower individuals to be confident and to be in control of their health and also to want more from their bodies, to want more from their life. So today we are talking about a big, big topic, kind of foundational, the formula for being a human. So last week, Eve talked about load versus capacity, movement optimism, and all those things. And so today, I really wanted to dive in that when we're talking about load versus capacity, we're not just talking about the tissue. We're not just talking about tissue preparedness. This is about whole person system preparedness. You have to take the whole system into account. We are very passionate about that here is is taking in all of the factors, taking in all of the information that we can about that person. So this explains, this formula explains how and why humans respond to stress, how to get the results you want from your training, from exercise, how training really works and why it benefits us, why it always depends. That's like a classic PT answer is, oh, it depends. It does, everything depends on the person in front of you. And this also explains why we need to take all factors into consideration for athletes, clients, patients, whatever population you serve, or if you're someone listening right now and you're trying to take better control of your health. The formula, super specific. So it's stress plus recovery equals adaptation. So if you are watching, you can see the formula, but I'll say it again, it's stress plus recovery equals adaptation. So stress is a, a normal physiological response to events that upset your equilibrium in some way. So notice I say it's a response. It's not the event itself. It's not that the walk was stress. It was the response to the walk. So recovery, is the appropriate amount of time needed for physiological systems to work to overcome the effects of stress. And if you're totally lost, that's okay because I have a nice little graphic on a, a couple slides ahead. Adaptation is the new equilibrium we get. 
So we become more tolerant to the specific stressor. We apply a stress, we recover from that stress, and now we're even better at dealing with that stress the next time. And this is how humans work. We are living organisms. We are not cadavers. We are not rat tails or whatever study says whatever. We are living and breathing dynamic humans and we're constantly adapting to our environment. And so this is, I think, really cool that we literally get better at what we do consistently. We adapt to the stressors we place on ourselves to become more prepared for an encounter with that same type of stress in the future. And so what's also important in this is that it's very specific to the type of stress that you're applying to. All right, so how the formula works. I want you to view it like a recipe or like a science experiment. So again, it's stress plus recovery equals adaptation. You apply stress, then you recover from stress, and then you adapt to stress. And that means you get a new equilibrium or really in training and exercise, you get the result that you want. People come to us for a result, whether that's, I want to lose weight. I want to gain weight. I want to get out of pain. I want to get better at that skill, certain skill, whatever. I want to lift more weight. I want to run this race, whatever it is, it's a result. And so if you plug in whatever that result is to the adaptation part of the formula, it might look like stress plus recovery equals stronger back squat, something like that. Because it is a formula, all elements are equally important. So if you view it like an experiment or like a recipe, recently I've been using like the banana bread analogy because I think I've just been making a lot of banana bread. It's not that you just like throw a bunch of things together and then you just like shove it in the oven and you hope and see what happens. And it, I don't know, last time you took science class, but you didn't just throw a bunch of stuff in a beaker and wait and see what happens. It's very detailed. You put this many ounces, you put this many eggs, you put this many bananas, you let it cook for this long. And so it's really, that's why doing, you know, putting 12 eggs in a recipe that calls for two eggs, probably not gonna turn out um, super great. And so we, we will continue to explain that. So here's the graphic showing how it works. So this is from Precision Nutrition, um, the first certification. I loved this chapter. I thought it explained stress and recovery really well. So in this graphic, you're at this homeostasis, you're at this equilibrium, and that's where our bodies like to be. We like to be at this dynamic equilibrium. And so the circle is you apply a stressor. Temporarily, as our body responds to that, we get worse. We get temporarily worse. And then you see the section of recovery. We have enough recovery, even more recovery, and then we have our new equilibrium. And then we apply a stressor, we get a little worse. And then as we recover, now our baseline is better than before, it's higher than before. And this would be considered a positive adaptation. A negative adaptation is what we see here, where you apply a stressor. The stressor in this case looks to be pretty intense, pretty significant. And then the recovery is either too short or just not enough for some reason. And now we're actually a little bit worse off than before. And so now we're not as prepared as the first, the positive. So I'm gonna go back to the positive. So again, it's like cooking or baking. And when you put things together and under the right circumstances, 
you wait and it bakes because if you don't bake, then you just have this sloppy mess of like eggs and, and banana bananas and sugar and all that stuff. So the, also the other important thing, and, and Eve mentioned this last time, the dosage is what matters. The dose that you need for an elite athlete is going to be much different than you need for most people's grandparents, unless your grandparents are elite athletes. So I'm sure we know a lot of people that taking a walk would be considered a stressor. And then we also know a lot of people who taking a walk is just recovery to them. And so at that point, it depends on the capacity of that person. So if we go back to the negative adaptation, here we see that the amount of stress or the response to the stressor applied exceeded the individual's ability to adapt. So that's either just straight up too much stress, too little recovery, or it could be from the accumulation of other stressors. So if we're other than exercise, if it's other stressors, and we'll talk about that later too. And that would just really mean too much stress. And so stressed, stress is the language that our cells speak. It's how we adapt. It's how we grow. It's how we get better. It's how we become more prepared. It's how we've gotten to where we are today. But dosed improperly or not recovering from it actually breaks us down. It actually makes us worse. So this might be something that you'd call an overuse injury. I don't really like terminology because it implies that we only have a certain amount of usage, like we're a car and once we use what we have, we have to get it replaced. Um, unfortunately, that is also how a lot of the medical model views humans too, but it doesn't really work like that. So let's say I do heavy squats every day. I sleep four hours a night and I'm eating 1200 calories. So the squat itself, great, good thing, right? But now I'm not benefiting from that intentional physical stress. I'm now maladapting. And so it's either too much stress because I'm heavy back squatting every single day and there's really no point for me to do that. I'm not sleeping enough, which is the best recovery tool that we have. And I'm not fueling my demands either. So I'm just in this constant negative at a biological or physiological level. And if you hate that stuff, you can just go ahead and tune out right now. But I think this explains a lot and it's pretty cool. So when physical stress exceeds the body's ability to adapt, the inflammatory response that would typically lead to a stronger tissue, that response is now big, bigger, and it takes longer to resolve. So alert signals from our body's tissues start to increase. So we're getting more signals because it's a bigger response. It's taking longer to resolve. And now our brains are paying more attention to the area because of these alert signals. And so like, imagine there's a wreck on the interstate and a bunch of people are calling 911. Okay, well maybe 911 will finally show up now. It doesn't usually work like that, but you know what I mean? So now pain develops. So I'll go back. If physical stress exceeds the body's ability to adapt, typically over a, an amount of time, an inflammatory response gets bigger, we get more signals, now we pay more attention to it, now we're starting to experience pain. Eventually, if the level of stress isn't decreased, we can experience also tissue damage, so that can occur too. So notice how I said pain first, and then tissue damage. So this is when aches and pains that start small can eventually prevent you from exercising. And so again, 
it's not an overuse injury because we have a limited amount of use, but it's we have a limited amount of use at that time. Over a period of our life, like we've seen people do crazy things. Like just watch the CrossFit games, right? It's not that those people, I mean, they're very different from us, but we all have a different capacity and they've trained to have that capacity. So in extreme cases of physical stress and it, it, with extreme cases, something that happens really quickly. So this inflammatory process develops really quickly, like falling down the stairs, dropping something on your foot, getting in a car wreck. That's where tissue damage can occur immediately. So you don't get a warning signal. You don't get the, the response to a potential threat. So this is where muscle tears, like broken bones, sprained ankles can happen where all the stress is applied just way too quickly. Another analogy that I really like is like getting a blister. So if you've ever walked down King street in either an uncomfortable pair of shoes or maybe a new pair of shoes, you might get a blister. But if you were to wear those shoes a little at a time, like a little bit each day, you'd actually form a callus and that callus would help you be better prepared for wearing that shoes. And so you wouldn't get a blister. So I, I like that analogy. I think that's cool. All right. So let's go back to stress and we'll break down stress. So stress is again, the response to the events that upset our equilibrium and the dosage is what matters here. No stress at all means that we don't change and we don't adapt. And so if I want to be a runner and I never run, I'm not going to be good at running. We don't just randomly become good runners. Too much stress, especially in an appropriate and inappropriate amount of time, breaks us down. The other thing to note is that stress is cumulative and it comes in a lot of different forms. So the first one that we always usually think of is physical stress, which is exercise. I also call exercise intentional physical stress. We also have mental and these are all just examples. There's a lot of different examples for each one. So mental stress would be something like perfectionism, emotional stress, grief, existential, hopelessness, pur purposelessness, relational or social, like a lack of support system, and environmental, chaos, violence, extreme conditions. So I think it's really important to spend some time on these things because all of these types of stress usually get pushed to the side, especially in the health and the fitness and the physical therapy realm. We're usually just focused on exercise or, oh yeah, I, I was stressed from work, but we don't usually dive into it. And again, when we talk about load versus capacity, it's not just tissue preparedness. It's not just the stress to the tissues because you're not just a bunch of floating tissues. You are a interconnected system. And so all of the stressors that your system experiences plays a role in this formula. The other thing that's really important and has been really interestingly demonstrated in research is that what we know now is how we perceive stress plays a huge role in how we respond to it. So Potentially, when a lot of other outside stress builds up, we perceive things differently, and that plays a role in how our body responds. 
And sometimes when I talk about this with patients, there's sometimes that people are super open to it and it, they're like, it makes so much sense. And there's sometimes where people say, no, there's no way my forearm pain is related to my extreme stress. And obviously it's way more complicated than that. Again, it's very multifactorial. Humans are super complex, but we know that one, how we perceive stress plays a role in how we respond to it. And stress is shown to contribute to pain. And so what we know from the science of training is that too much stress breaks us down. Stress triggers a cascade of events. We enter an alarm phase to deal with that stress. And so now we see that it's just stress. It's the cumulative effect of stress. Typically in my experience and a lot of my like coaches, friends, trainers, and all that, when someone has a tough day at the gym, when you talk to them about it, it's not just that the workout was hard. It's that they're dealing with all these other things in their life. And that's why I think it's really important to, to talk about these things because they're normally just pushed to the side and they're like, Oh yeah, you know, stress matters, but like, no, it's actually very important. Yes. It matters a lot. Again, I said it before stress is the language our cells speak. And some people say, Oh, it's good stress or it's bad stress. And that's actually true. We do have different types of stress, but it depends on a lot of different things. So one, it depends again on our interpretation of it, how we perceive it, our relationship to it. And so how we've experienced this type of stressor in the past and how we've responded to it, what happened when we had this stressor previously. And so if you think of it kind of like a bad breakup, that makes sense. How long does stress last? And so if you think about, if you're on a roller coaster, if you're on, if you're a roller coaster person, the roller coaster is fun because it's like, I don't know, a minute, but now imagine it's an hour or three hours or seven hours and you cannot get off the roller coaster. That amount of time now decided that the roller coaster was no longer fun and exciting and enjoyable. It was now, it is now super stressful. The other thing is how intense the stress is. So if you've ever ridden a roller coaster and your seatbelt was loose, that's pretty intense. It's no longer fun. You're no longer enjoying the ride. You're super stressed about, oh, I'm going to fall out of this and die. Um, I've definitely had that experience before, but maybe I was just worried. The last thing is that determines if it's good or bad is how well we can recover from it. So that is something that might not be as conscious. It might be a little subconscious of is it good or is it bad? If I go do a super great, I think it's so fun. It's a two hour workout. I had a great time, but then that night I go and drink with my friends. I don't really eat anything. And then the next day, I don't know, I slept for four hours. I might've really loved that workout, but it also might have wrecked me. So it depends on a lot of different factors, just like everything else in life. Right. All right. So a summary. We need enough stress to challenge the system. That determines if we get a result or not. Too much stress, possible pain, possible injury, plateau, burnout, AKA negative results. We don't want those things. And not enough stress means no change. So you have to place enough stress to challenge the system. So for me, a challenge would be a 20 pound bicep curl for multiple reps. Something that would be impossible for me would be a 60 pound bicep curl for reps. Something that would be way too easy for me 
would be a five pound bicep curl for reps, unless I'm doing like a million reps. And at that point, I probably just wasted a bunch of time, won't get much of a response. And so you see how you have to find like the Goldilocks amount, what is going to be a challenge to the system, what is going to be enough of a stimulus to produce change in the local system in the tissues and also in the full nervous system. And what's going to be way too much, what's not going to be enough. If you think about it, people come to us again, they come to us for a result, whether you're a PT, a trainer, a coach, or another health or fitness professional. But if you boil it down, what they're really there for is the management and dosage of stress and recovery. They might not know what that means, but you need to know what it means because they come to you for the right side of the equation, the equals blank but you know that you have to manage multiple variables to get that result, to get the banana bread, to get the volcano science experiment, whatever you wanna call it. So let's spend some time on recovery. Recovery, I don't know if I can say this loud enough, recovery is a part of training. So training is not a form of stress. Exercise is a form of stress. This is maybe semantics, but Training encompasses both. It encompasses the entire formula. Training includes recovery. Once you start viewing your rest days as a part of your training, it is mind blowing. It's, it's a part of it. If you, again, if you don't put it in the oven, nothing happens or you definitely don't get the result that you want. You can only adapt to what you recover from. And the other thing that I thought of that was funny was work hard, recover hard. So not work hard, play hard, because that's just more stress. <laughs> work hard, recover hard, or recover harder. So what's recovery? It's not a foam roller, that's for sure. It's not a lacrosse ball. The best recovery tool or hack that we have, we're always trying to find hacks. The best thing we have is sleep. And that's the best thing we have. It was literally given to us. And we try to get away without sleep all the time. And again, like humans are super capable and durable and resilient but we need sleep. We're the only species that thinks that we can just not sleep. My dog takes naps all the time. I'm charging my phone right now. We are no different and we do way more things. I mean, I don't know, my phone is, is pretty crazy. The other thing that plays a huge role in recovery is nutrition, fueling your demands. Like you can't drive on an empty tank. Think about nutrition and sleep as filling up your tank. And then lastly, and this one again, depends a lot on the person, is recharge time or mental and emotional stress management. So that can mean a lot of different things. So let's go back to sleep. It regulates metabolism, helps you lose fat, gain muscle, recover and repair your tissues, regulates hormones, regulates blood sugar, regulates hunger, et cetera. It does so many things, which is also why night shift workers have a hard time with things. So you should thank your uh, fellow night shift workers. So recovery and recharge time. I said this the other day to one of my friends and she turned it back on me and it made me start thinking. What I said was you need to purposely chase recovery. And then she was like, well, that kind of defeats the purpose of recovery, right? So to rephrase, you need to purposely make time for recovery. So you need to, just like you schedule your workout, you need to purposely make time for your body to feel relaxed. And so it's not like, okay, I'm relaxing, I'm relaxing, I'm trying to relax. 
No, like that's not very relaxing, but you need to schedule in your recovery time, your recharge time. If everyone could get like at least minimum 10 to 20 minutes a day of purposeful recharge me time, whether that's walking, meditation, easy yoga, being outside, hanging out with people that I care about. And that you'd be, you'd be surprised of like so many people don't get those things. But if we can just start with that, I think you will find that it makes so much of a difference. It might just be taking a 10 minute walk without your phone. That's a big one. So managing your mental stress can mean a lot of different things. And on this list, so walking, meditation, again, easy yoga, being outside, meaningful relationships, saying no, that's a big one. Saying no and creating boundaries. So almost preventing yourself from overflowing your cup or emptying your cup, whichever side of the analogy you're on, preventing it from ever happening. Always keeping in mind what makes me feel recharged. Maybe I should say no to this. Maybe it means going lighter in the gym. Maybe it means not always competing. And maybe sometimes it means asking for help or talking to someone that you trust. Again, making time for recovery the same way you schedule out exercise. And now what we're all here for, adaptation, the right side of the formula. Adaptation is the result of training. It's why we train. And I want you to really think about that. If I told you you're studying for a test all day and you study from nine to five, and at the end of the day, I say, nope, you forget everything. I completely clear your memory. Now, tomorrow, you go and study all day again. And again, I clear your memory. So now studying is pointless, right? Because studying, you're not just studying to waste your days away to try to learn material that you actually forget. You're studying because you're trying to learn something from it, learning the material for the test or whatever. And that's the point is that you are, you are training for something. You are doing this thing for a result. And so if I'm just squatting every single day and I never get any benefit from it, I mean, I don't even get a mental benefit from it. I don't even have fun. I don't have fun. I don't ever get stronger. I don't ever get better at squats. I don't ever get healthier. Then there's no point. Luckily, it's not like that. It is intentional. It is for an adaptation. It's for a result. That adaptation can be positive or negative, depending on a lot of different things. And we'll talk about and again, people come to you for this side of the equation. They come to you for a result, but you have to figure out what are all the things that we have to manage to get them that result. If I went and I ran a mile every single day for a month, but I never got better at it, I, which you might be able to relate to, but I never got faster and never got easier. And it, again, like it wasn't even good for me mentally, then running would be pointless. But Humans are really cool and we get better at what we do. So you squat, you get better at squats. You, you walk a mile every day, eventually that mile starts to get easier. So our bodies positively adapt to stress given the right environment, given the right amounts of time, but we adapt to be better at tolerating that stress the next time. This is why we preach consistency because you are what you consistently do. You need to consistently work on the things that you want to be good or better at. If you just started a running program, you got better at running, and then you stopped running for a year, you can no longer expect to be good at running. Another thing that might resonate with some people, 
So like my dad used to be a pitcher and he said to me the other day, I can't throw anymore. Well, dad, you're like 58 or something. And that doesn't mean you you're never going to be able to throw again. But when you were a pitcher, you threw almost every day. It was something that you were always working on. For me, I, funny fact about me, I used to sing a lot in high school. I got okay at it better than I am now. That's for sure. But now I don't sing every day. And so I'm not as good as I was before. So that is why consistency matters. It is something that we preach all the time. You can't just expect to be really good at something that you, you don't work on or you don't do. And you might see people where it seems like that. And 99% of the time, that's not the case. So you might, the next time you return to running, let's say you got better at running, you took a year off from running. Those adaptations probably didn't stick 100% but they probably didn't go away hundred percent. You might have an easier time getting better than you did the first time. But again, you have to be continually doing it. Another thing is like doing math in high school. I was in calculus the other day. I went to tip my server and add $8 to my bill. And I was like, I don't know how to do this. And so <laughs> that's embarrassing. Um, also speaking another language. I'm sure a lot of y'all have been abroad and were fluent. And then you came back here, you stopped speaking it. And now it's a little bit harder than before. So it could be a really good thing. And it can be also a really bad thing if you don't consistently work on the things you want to be able to do. All right. So why we're all here today. How to get a positive adaptation. So this is how to get the result that you want. And there are a lot of different factors that go into this, of course. You need to first decide what the actual adaptation is, what the result that you're trying to get. I think the, the biggest thing is uh, people wanting to get toned. That means you need to gain muscle. So there's my spiel on that. So just decide what the actual adaptation is, what the person is saying that they want. Or if you're listening to this and you want to do blank, you need to actually break that down and figure out, okay, well, what does this actually mean? You need to decide, I think the stressors are probably the easier place to start, what it takes to get it. And so if I need to run a half marathon in a few months, I need, I know I need to be able to run 13 miles in a few months, but what are all the things that are going to get me there? Can I even run a mile? Okay. Let's start with that. What do I need to be able to do to last for this 13 miles? Recovery is the same way. It's a little bit more, there are more things that we know we should be doing, but again, usually recovery gets lost. We know minimum, minimum, we need to be sleeping eight hours a night. I do not say this in a judgmental manner because I am not good at it either. My whoop constantly says like 7.20. And I'm like, okay, I was in bed for eight. Doesn't work like that. Apparently you wake up a lot in the middle of the night. So a minimum of eight hours, you need to be eating to fuel your demands. If you are in the health and fitness industry, I'm sure you see people constantly starving themselves, restricting themselves. You need to intentionally plan out recovery and you need to manage all factors of the equation. You need to deal with your work stress. You need to deal with your family stress. You need to know what are all these things that are constantly in flux. And that's why it gets tricky. That is why it depends. It's because all of these things are constantly changing because that is how humans are. We are in this dynamic equilibrium. And first you just need to, to be aware that all of these things are constantly going on. So you need to intentionally dose the stress, which means you need a, a program that is progressive so that you continually get better. Again, we call stress management, sleep, and nutrition, we call those non-negotiables. 
right, let's see. Okay. Oh, another analogy that I thought of, just full of analogies. Sunburns. It's July. Who has been getting sunburned recently? Maybe by July, you've kind of built up a base, but that's kind of the point. Sitting in the sun for like three hours when you haven't been exposed to it for a few months, you get a sunburn. But sitting in the sun for 30 minutes a day over the course of a couple of weeks, you get a tan. So this is a cool way. You should still wear your sunscreen. I'll say that. This is a cool way that our bodies adapt. And it also demonstrates it is not the sun. It is not the squat. It is not the deadlift. We know all those things are good for you if they are dosed properly. The devil is in the dosage. The dosage defines if it's going to be medicine or if it's going to be poison. And so think about the blister, think about the sunburn. All right, what really matters? Turns out a lot of different things. One, possibly the biggest thing is challenging clients and patients and yourself enough to create the change that you want. So all of this talk is not to say that we should go easier on ourselves. If managed appropriately, like we should be able to handle a, a good amount of a challenge. If you're not challenging the system, remember you do not get a result. You do not upset your equilibrium to create a response. You need to look at all ingredients, all of the factors, everything that makes that person them, the whole person, consistent consistency, I've already harped on that, progression and planning the program, the perception, we will continue to talk about that. We'll talk about pain, we'll talk about perception, um, but the, the way that you perceive or the client perceives or the patient perceives their situation or their stressors or their recovery also, and volume and load management, which really kind of encompasses um, the whole equation. Okay, so now if you are listening to this, if you're watching this, I wanted to provide some potential action steps. Now that you've listened to this, now that you have this knowledge, what can you do? What can you change? What can you start being better at? I know whenever I listen to these talks, I always want a way to apply what I've just learned. So one, you can start addressing non-negotiables with your patients, with your clients, with yourself, uh, with your family, with your coworkers, with your employees. We started doing that and made to move instead of, I mean, instead of just talking about, okay, well, this is what we did last week. This is how many patients that we saw. Now it's like, hey, Hannah, did you sleep for eight hours this week? Hey, Dane, did you meet your protein? And so we decided what are the things that we're working on? What are the things that are important to us? So addressing non-negotiables. If you are in the health and fitness industry, especially if you are a coach or a personal trainer, you get a lot of time with these people. And what matters most is not the hour that they spend with you. It is the other 23 hours of their day. And you have such a great opportunity to affect the rest of their life by that one hour with you. That's why it's so important. Another way you can apply this is you can start to plan out your sessions and then progress them. You don't, you don't need to be the best strength programmer coach in the world to get your clients results and to build a progressive program. But progressive overload is how we get stronger. It's how we get better. You can do that a lot of different ways, depending on the client. You can increase difficulty. So that can be by increasing weights, um, increasing the difficulty of the movement. You can increase the range of motion. Let's say I have someone and they, they start with a little 
a less of a full squat. They start with a mini squat. Okay. And then we do a to parallel squat and then we do a full depth squat. And so those are ways to, to still challenge the system to continue to progress. The other thing is that you can just start to constantly assess the result or the, the formula, stress, recovery, adaptation. When you think about, you know, is my client getting the things that they want? Am I getting the things that I want? Try to just look at the equation and fill in what are the things going on in my life? What are the stressors? How's my recovery been? And you might see where it starts to explain what's going on. Another big thing that we're super passionate about is viewing injuries as dosage problems. So it is the load that exceeded the capacity or more generally the stress that exceeded the recovery. It is the dosage that matters. And then the last thing that we will continue to talk about is using positive, encouraging language. Our words matter so much. And if you can set them up for success, it can make a really big difference. So if you have any questions, this will be on the Facebook group. I believe you can always write out a question in the comments. Um, you can contact me directly. You can DM us on Instagram. That is all for today. Thank you all so much and have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much for joining us, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Head on over to Instagram. Find us at Healthy Charleston. Leave us a review on iTunes. If you ever have any topics you want us to talk about or guests you want to bring on, feel free to DM us. Otherwise, thanks again.